Start podcasts with enthusiasm. Welcome to Noclip. I'm Chad Rowland. I'm JJ Artemis. And I'm Andy Kinney. And today we're going to be talking about Splatoon 2. Uh, in celebration of 50 episodes, we're returning to the first episode we ever made talking about Splatoon 1. So, Splatoon is a third person shooter developed and published by Nintendo and released on the Nintendo Switch in 2017. Uh, not too fucking long ago from right now. Uh, and despite what you might have heard if you listen to the Splatoon episode, uh, we're all pretty big fans of Splatoon, including me, <laughs> despite not even understanding what the hell I was doing uh, two years ago. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to talk about with this game uh, that we did a fairly poor job of covering in around the first time. Uh, and we've definitely spent a lot of time with it, so I think the first thing we need to do is settle uh, all major Splatoon arguments. Uh, so, Callie is the best squid sister. Uh, you don't have to paint your base as soon as you start the game. True. And Splat Tim is the best Splatoon meme. I don't. I agree with all those. I guess. <laughs> That's sort of like saying, like, what's the best potato, though? Uh, you mean Cali. all of them are okay, but then one of them is the best one by far? Mm-hmm. Tell me which potato is the best one by far. Splat Tim is the best one by far. Okay. It's the best platoon. Well, actually, honestly, yes. This is this is a legitimate thing that I I want to talk about a little bit. Yes. Uh, so the best platoon meme might actually have been usurped by Pearl as Pennywise <laughs> because it's really, really goddamn funny. Uh, but they they removed Splatnet from Splatoon One. And then in Splatoon 2, we now have, like, whatever their Garbo Twitter thing is. But I love the the prevalence of trends in the plaza, which didn't, like, as far as I could tell, didn't really ever happen in the first game. Yes. Like, it was never, like, a widespread thing, barring on Splatfest. I think it's because the Miiverse was, like, regulated... And, like, they don't actually really keep tabs on the Twitter thing. Like, they should. (laughs) (laughs) Possibly. I've been pretty surprised, honestly, by the the amount of, like, just unbridled positivity that has been uh, on it with the occasional, like, stick-in-the-mud asshole who's like, (laughs) "Uh, I hate the new thing that's cool. Yeah, I'm really curious, uh, though we will, of course, never know, what actual algorithm they use to decide what shows up in plazas? Because you can tell now that compared to the first game, it is it's probably like yeah based. Like everyone, yeah, I think it's like upvotes essentially. Yeah. Like, like everyone in the whole world seems to have the same plaza. Yeah, it's it's people that you play with who are set like close to in the, the lobby, lobby. Mm-hmm. and then everyone else in the plaza seems to be just like the most popular posts. I wouldn't expect that to be a thing that produced like, immense positivity. I would expect that, like, so many content aggregation systems to, like, heavily favor, like, contrarianism and... 
being a, a joke, jokey jokester. Yeah, complaining about stuff. Like, I would have expected more things like nerf the blank, uh, buffs for blank. True, yeah. I, I feel like most of the people in Splatoon, and I feel like I'm speaking directly to Andy's heart here, mm-hmm. uh don't actually care that much about the game balance. Like, most of the people who are playing the game, like, I care a lot about the game balance (laughs) and about, like, what weapons are getting what percent changes to what little bullshit they do. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's just a side effect of me being, like, a try-hard idiot. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Uh, And this game has actually done just a ton of that sort of, like, minute little balancing, although in a, like, uniquely Nintendo way of theming updates around particular, like, things. And keeping things, you know, generally obscure enough, like, veiled under uh, some kind of foreign secrecy. (laughs) We have to, like, decode what they actually mean every time there's an update. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it is legitimately commendable and surprising how much for this game they have been totally on their game in terms of consistent updates, balanced changes, and the kind of modern-day online game-as-service release schedule that's been ramping up more and more in the industry. I would not expect a company that uh, is so often derided for its shitty online services (laughs) to be this consistent about it. And frankly, at least in terms of Splatoon balance, so good at actually what they do on that schedule. Something that I, uh, I'm not 100% sure what your thoughts are on it, is I'm a little bit concerned in, like, the long term, because I feel like the more the game has has gotten patches and updates, everything just keeps getting, like, stronger and stronger, and very few things are being, like, pulled back. I, I feel like the balance is, like, they're reaching, they're pulling everything up to the same level, uh... But it's they're just raising it from things that weren't as good as something to now everything is super good. I don't know how well it's going to pan out in the future. When they start making more minute changes, it's going to be like, this week, everyone uses the sloshing machine, and that's the only weapon you see. I think those kind of balanced questions are complex enough that they're not the sort of thing we're going to be able to predict in advance. Because like, what determines whether or not raising all boats or lowering all boats on average is a good or bad thing depends on where like the meta comparative average ends up and that's something that i don't think we could ever ever know and it's kind of the fun thing about meta changes based on balance updates in the first place because mm-hmm. th- they're like beyond the human keen until you have like huge <laughs> sample sizes that determine what's good bad and fun yeah and like you said earlier there's a lot of people like me playing the game they're just going to keep using the weapon they like yeah no matter what <laughs> i mean i that is obviously fine uh and, like, I don't use weapons I don't like using because of their relative strength. The one thing that I'm hoping does happen is, like, well, this is uh, October. It's early October right now. Uh, at the time of this recording, at least, uh, playing Turf War is, like, a, it is a sea of Aerosprays and Splushomatics. It's, like, the only guns that I ever see. And that's the kind of thing that, like... You know, maybe a game with, like, 
I didn't count. I should have counted. You should have counted. 40-some weapons in it right now? Because I think you're exaggerating. I think I think we need statistics on this, and I think this is the kind of thing that... At, like, Turf War exists for whatever random bullshit wanna, people want to pull out in Turf War. Oh, yeah, and I 100% agree with that philosophy. I just think that uh, people should stop using the weapon they like using if that weapon is literally every in every game. <laughs> You're just being a tryhard curmudgeon again. <laughs> it's not even like... I don't feel like I don't even have a, a skewed win-loss against aerosprays or with aerosprays. I think it's been totally average, and I don't think that the gun is overpowered or underpowered. I just find it so weird that they're everywhere. <laughs> they do look it's, cool. And they're, like, really good at coverage, and I think that's what, like, a lot of people think is good when they start. Yeah. True. Looking cool is an extremely important thing in this game. The aerosprays kind of thematically, visually, and mechanically all lean into the things people, especially people who haven't experienced Splatoon before, think are is cool about Splatoon. Right. Like, things like uh, covering the ground in lots of paint mm-hmm. and right. having a sci-fi cool gun. Yeah, well, it looks like a... a it's a card detailer. Yeah, like a card yeah. detailer. It's super... But it does also look like a sci-fi gun. A like little a laser bit, yeah. gun. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a sci-fi gun in the Saints Row sense, where everything's made of some kind of precious like metal. Chrome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you look sweet, you paint everywhere, you don't really have to aim. It's up close yeah. and personal, so you can feel all surprisy and fun. I think, I think even if aerosprays... Uh, were more terrible than they are currently, they would still be played all over the place for good reasons. Yeah, I mean, I was one of those people in the first game that loved the aerospray early on. Right. And, that, I mean, that was wise, because it was such, like, a huge coverage, and you didn't have to be quite as good at aiming. One of my favorite things about Splatoon 2 is seeing how, as this game's acquired a new audience mm-hmm. of people who would never have bought a Wii U for completely understandable reasons. Um, <laughs> the exact, or at least close to exactly the same sort of like general balance trends that overtook Splatoon 1 are repeating themselves yeah. in Splatoon 2. I think we're just now getting to the point. It was like right when everyone thought that the tri-slosher was broken was, like, when the first true deviation happened, meta-wise. Yeah. But otherwise, it was all the same people getting into the mechanics, learning how cool the movement was, thinking, like, my goal is to paint, I should only paint. Ergo, paint your base as, like, a weird meme. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, all of those things keep happening, all of people relearning these different skills. It's really cool to watch from a distance as someone who was there with Splatoon 1, and I just hope, in the end, it's not all chargers again. Yeah, that would be... Well, they... I think they... So, okay. It's been, like, noted, and I believe this should at least get into some of the major points that we wanted to talk about, uh, that the the team behind Splatoon is, like, as far as, uh, you know, shooter developers go, incredibly passionate about it. They love the fact that they have a fan base, and they love the people who love this game take it so seriously. And I think that in response to what was generally derided as kind of a shitty time in Splatoon 1 where everyone just used a charger, they took the chargers in Splatoon 2 and... They didn't change that much about them, but they made the game way faster. And they were like, Chargers are going to have a hell of a time now. <laughs> faster is an easy way to describe what I think all three of us like know as equally true about the changes between the first and the second game. I 
would not have chalked it up to speed as much as I would have chalked it up to differences in level design that have produced really interesting and different incentives on you as a player and how people approach fights. There is so much more stuff everywhere <laughs> that has other effects yeah. that I'll talk about later, like in terms of aesthetics that I think hurt the level somewhat. But every map now has like generally raised central area, generally lots of little bits of like exactly inkling high cover that right. you can duck around and jump over and do all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, what comes to mind is especially like Muscle Forge Fitness, the rock wall one, yeah. in terms of just all this junk that just breaks your line of sight all over the place. There isn't anything like the old warehouse in the first game where you just have a sight line point to point right. forever. Yeah, it goes across the whole thing. They just put in that weird U wall in the, in the ranked modes. Indeed. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was, I think, one of the things that led people from a meta decision to start like, really using all of these buckets. Like, because the bucket didn't get any better than it was in Splatoon 1. No. It was just the level around it that changed, that made a weapon that could, that was good in short range and could go over cover. Over a wall, yeah. Yeah, way, way, way more useful. See, and because of things like that, and because of the nerf to, uh, I say nerf, it's a different game, so it's irrelevant. <laughs> uh, they really nerfed Park Place in life. Uh, the... <laughs> I guess a bad comparison. Uh, <laughs> but the the nerf to specials, like the fact that they reined the power level of specials in so much mm-hmm. uh, between the first and second game, that information is so strong in Splatoon 2, where it wasn't quite as strong in Splatoon 1 because way more people had access to it. What do you mean by the information? Like, knowing where... Like, actual, like... I guess tactical information like a fucking SWAT team where you just know where people are or where they're likely to be. Mm-hmm. You no longer have a map that's like a glance down. You have to actually press a button and obscure your vision to, to do it. Uh, echo locator doesn't exist anymore. Uh, basically point sensors, thermal ink, and sorta kinda the Tena missiles and uh, Stingray yeah. give you knowledge of where people are. And because the game has so many more little areas where the where squids can kind of like duck behind a wall or like stand next to something and obscure your sight, uh, being able to actually just know where shit is uh, is a lot more valuable. And it also values weapons that are better in close quarters because you can be sneaky and be unseen. Yep, you react better. Which is definitely a factor in Splatoon, but it wasn't in the same... Because, like, if you just, like, popped up to shoot, somebody from a million miles away could just see you do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, it's... The actual gameplay feels uh, feels faster because of that focus on close quarters stuff. Right. We recognize that as a very intentional design shift that they've made in terms of different access to information and different level design structures that promote hiding and uh, sort of deter long-range shooting. Is that a change that we like compared to the first game? I'm undecided. Uh, When I first started playing the game, I noticed that the levels felt different, and I wasn't really sure why. Um, But I do agree with what you guys were saying. It's the close quarters kind of emphasis. I feel like I kind of lean more towards the first game, but I, I don't know. Because it has been a while since I played it, and it might just be a, like a nostalgia thing. Mm-hmm. Now I played, uh, <laughs> I played Splatoon 
the original Splatoon for less time overall than either of you did, I mm-hmm. think. Right. Uh, but I played it later into its life cycle than either of you did. Right. Um, so, uh, like, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I lived long enough to see myself be killed by chargers over and over again uh, that I, in most changes which arguably there haven't been a lot of, but in most of the changes, I lean toward the sequel. Like, I feel like I enjoy Splatoon 2 as a game more. Not a lot more, but a little bit. And I think that these changes are... It's weird because it's forced me into a medium-range, like, weapon set as well. Because in the first game... I used uh, the Tri-Slosher a lot, and then it was determined to be broken in Splatoon 2, but I didn't know because I was using, like, the Splattershot Pro. <laughs> I, like, stopped using it completely, the Rapid Blaster, like, things that have very set ranges. Uh, so I like the the faster-paced things, and I like fucking around with different weapons. I, I try and be, like, as competent as I can be with all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but I think overall, just... Generally speaking, I think the changes have made the game more enjoyable for me. Agreed. I I also like you feel like it's slightly better. Uh, that's that's spoiler alert. Kind of my general opinion of Splatoon two overall. Not every change they made I thought was for the better, but most were. But I don't think it's like I'm not married to the opinion that they're not. They're games that are similar enough that there aren't a lot of meaningful differences to them, and I think that there can be, like, fruitful discussions or opinions on both sides of the issue. I can imagine someone who just generally likes the kind of tension of sniper battles more, liking, like, late-stage Splatoon 1 play more than anything Splatoon 2 could give them. Uh, They're just weird, like, subtle flavor variants on the same experience. I get the feeling that... Splatoon 2 was what Splatoon 1 was ramping up to be. Because if you look at the later stages that were added, things like Anchovy Games uh, and Piranha Pit mm-hmm. have... Well, Piranha Pit follows like the exact same scenario with elevated platform in the middle, lots of little small areas to the sides. That's the one with the conveyor belts? With the conveyor yeah, belts. That does feel like a Splatoon 2 stage. Yeah, and Absolutely. so does Anchovy Games because it has tons and tons of just like fucking a box <laughs> sitting there for you to walk around and, like, take a little bit of cover mm-hmm. uh, here and there. And that's the kind of thing, like... Because those levels were not particularly kind to Chargers, and they weren't particularly kind to the heavy splatling, unfortunately, for Chad. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> all of that kind of thing was... Uh, I feel like it, it. Splatoon 2 feels like more of a natural progression than I would have guessed. Yeah, I remember in the first game, the first new stage they added was the Kelp Dome. Mm-hmm. And I remember hating it because it was like so open. Huge. It was like such a huge stage, and I really liked the more like closer quarters, more like intimate, I guess, mm-hmm. yeah. kind of level design of the other stages. And it's like this game kind of took that direction where everything is more open. And. This might this is a completely different tangent of the same topic, but one of my things is like I feel like aesthetically a lot of the stages in the first game are like more memorable and the stages in the second game feel almost more like they were made from like 
a template. Not template, yeah, like, yeah. not like like a tile set, but like a three D version of a tile okay. set. Right. Like they had like blocks that they clicked together to make the stage. Like raised platform here or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then they went back in and added some like specific aesthetic differences to each. It's because it's harder for them to be evocative when in the later stages that they were trying to make, they had more required physical things that had to exist. Like it's a lot easier to make a space look like something that we know when there's less physical structures that you have to put in it and account for. Mm -hmm. uh, like it's easy for walleye warehouse uh, to look like a warehouse because there can just be one pile a of like crates. obvious crates mm. and not a whole lot else around it, just like some walls and other rigging that they can juice up however they want. But if walleye warehouse has to be filled with like one specific high central tower, two other like symmetrical crates at these angles, like there's just more that you have to do, so it becomes harder to do anything evocative with that afterwards. Uh, it hurts, I think a lot of the stages aesthetically because they all sort of bleed into one another mechanically in a way that they didn't in the old games. There's less diversity when everything has to have a whole lot of little, like, hidey platforms, as we described before, leading up to a central space. Yeah, I, I feel like they are getting... <laughs> See, at this point, the, the stage discussion is really sort of eye-opening for me because, obviously... In retrospect, obviously, you guys care quite a bit about the aesthetics of the stages, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, whereas until you said it just now, I really didn't notice just how similar, like, Humpback Pump Track is to Starfish Main Stage, right? Yeah. Like, they both are just a central platform with flank routes, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's it. And there's, there's, it kind of feels like that's what all the stages are. Right. And I kind of prefer the stages in Splatoon 2 for the most part. Uh, my least favorite stage in Splatoon 2, still Moray Towers, still <laughs> doing it up, being the dumbest garbage ever. Uh, and for the same reason that I don't like Moray Towers, uh, of the new stages that they've added, I'm not a huge fan of the Manta, Manta Maria. Hilarious jokes. Manta Marina, I believe, actually. Yeah. Uh, because it is... Every time you die, if you don't have a jump option, you have to go such a long way to get to where the conflict is. And uh, that's just not that engaging. The smaller stages, to me, are always more enjoyable. It's so interesting, in the stages specifically, to look at their iterations on the same stage, especially. Like, what was the name of the stage in Splatoon 1 that they first did a big update to that wasn't Moray Towers? Oh, it's the one that's like the reef in this game. Exactly. Uh, Urchin Underpass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they, they, you might have started playing after this. I believe I did. But there was an original version of Urchin Underpass that was very kind of simple, comparatively. And when they updated it, they added lots more differences in terrain height. It started looking less like a realistic space that people would walk around in or just like be in the world. Right. Uh, and they expanded it out and they added more flank routes. Uh, they did the same thing to Moray Towers three different times now because there was the initial Moray Towers, revised Moray, Moray Towers. Towers. And now the one with the inclines. Right. Yeah. Uh, so they keep adding more complexity and more stuff that you can hide behind and interact with and do in all these multiplayer levels. Right. And I do think I slightly prefer it mechanically. I, uh, I've i never been a Moray Towers hater, but I do always like having... Get on board! It, it really is. Just Fuck a... Moray Towers! <laughs> I actually don't mind Moray Towers mechanically, but like 
literally every time Chad and I play, it's in rotation. <laughs> and that's just, like, made me not like it. Yeah. Uh, you were saying, though, yeah. you've never been a Mario Towers hater. I don't even know, remember, or care. Oh, screw you guys. <laughs> cool. Well, I was going to say, and I don't know how relevant it is to this discussion that we were on, but because uh, I was thinking about, in the original game, my favorite stage, like, hands down, was the... Black Belly Skate Park, was that what it was called? Yeah, Black Belly Skate. And I think, like, a kind of, like, equivalent in this game is Humpback Pump Track. Yeah. It's, like, a bigger stage with lots of, like, bowls. And yeah, it has and curved. It, it's really satisfying movement on yeah. stages like that. And, like, I loved Black Belly Skate Park, but Humpback Pump Track just feels like one of the crowd in this game. Yes. And, like, I don't know, like, what the difference is. It might just have been the variety, like JJ said. I feel like I would take multiple stages that are like uh, like the pump track or the main stage or the reef or whatever uh, than I would having stages in rotation every once in a while, like um, names uh, Salisbury <laughs> Rig uh, that has okay. like such a clearly defined objective even in Turf War. Yeah. And honestly not much of what happened in uh, in the ranked version of Salt Spray, even really gave a shit about that whole area. Was Salt Spray the one with, like, the pit in the middle of water, and there's, like, the two sides? And it has the huge back area that wins you the game if you control it? Yep, that's the one. Which, I mean, whatever, everybody loves Salt Spray, right? Because it was one of the original maps. It's got King's Row Syndrome. Uh, (laughs) That one was one of my least favorites in the first one, actually. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really like that, and I would rather have a more balanced experience overall. That is another one of the trade-offs they made here: is that now that all of the stages are mechanically more similar, the rotation stings less for everybody. Yeah. Because there's less variability between the stages, so you're less likely to get a stage that you really, really hate because there aren't, there just aren't that many differences. Like in the old game, if you got Moray, people would just scream at you. But even, like, new game version of Moray is close enough that less people complain. Yeah. And it, additionally, I don't know when they changed this, but uh, originally, wasn't the rotation time for in Splatoon 1 four hours? Yes. And then, yeah, and in 2, it's 2. So, uh, there's even, like, that's even more, just a little bit more variety to the now stagnant stages, so it kind of keeps them fresher a little bit longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do want to go into that rotation discussion, um, but I think one kind of important mechanical note about the way that they've designed the stages uh, that I think ties everything together in that first bit that we did is the, the, the design of specials in the game affects the design of the stages so significantly, or vice versa. Because with this new emphasis on sort of ducking behind a rock and then sharking somebody as they come by, or just, you know, using uh, the terrain to your advantage to avoid being murdered, uh, a lot of the specials now just sort of get you the fuck out of cover. Like, Ink Storm gets you out of cover, Tenon Missiles gets you out of cover, Stingray gets you out of cover. <laughs> like, literally any, like, what, Ink Armor, whatever. Yeah. Bubble Blower can be used that way, but it's not its uh, best use. Yeah. Or even, like, a good one. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> I, I get your point, though, that yeah. the, the power of specials as they brought them into this game was less about, like, 
accomplishing very direct and specific things to other players, like killing them, immediately cutting off this zone specifically, and yep. more about like generalist contextual uses that are weaker for specific goals, but can be used for more things simultaneously, mm -hmm. and importantly feel great to use inexplicably despite be being weaker. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's almost like, in terms of the stages, in terms of the few new weapons that they added, and in terms of the way that they made most specials not very far from the, like, I win this encounter button that they used to be in the old games. Right. Everything's very focused on what you as a player can do more than the last game. To compare it to something like Overwatch, there's less, like, special coordination in terms of determining the outcome of what's going to happen, at least at, like, the casual level. Right. Then there is making sure that you that you pull off like sweet stunts and tricks <laughs> <laughs> which is good because the yeah. movement mechanics are what make this game good mm -hmm. we're, we're not here we weren't here for like the ink zuka we were here so you could like do you could like throw a burst bomb against a wall while you run around a corner and hide up against the wall when someone comes around and then jump off and shoot them when they don't notice the ink on your wall yeah and all sorts of crazy fun movement bullshit yeah, that is like that kind of thing is exactly what makes Splatoon like the game that it is. Mm -hmm. uh, it almost has like uh, uh, Titanfall Two, I guess, is probably the only other shooter I can think of off the top of my head that was both popular and also like predominantly good because of its movement mechanics. Yeah, uh, Splatoon just does an outstanding job of making everything seem like really fast and like give a lot of velocity and uh, just you know momentum is a big thing in this game yeah is it just me or do does it feel like the specials in this game like make you way more vulnerable while you're using them than the first one generally yeah that's yeah correct. it depends a lot on on which ones you're using obviously but like uh yeah most of them make you stop firing your main yeah. weapon i feel like i catch people like pot, trying to pop off their special and just kill them all before the they yeah before they can use it like all the time. I'm happy about that. It means more counterplay and more strategy on the part of the people using the special because now I can't just use uh, the ten of missiles whenever I have it. I have to think even with defensive things like the baller or uh, the ink armor. There's normally, uh, at least in the ink armor's case, there's a wind-up time before you can use it. So you can't use it like the oh shit button that you could use the bubbler for in the original game. Yeah, I, yeah. I used I use bubbler weapons a lot, but fuck the bubbler. That is that is a not interactive kind of uncool game mechanic. Yeah, yeah cause I use the ten attack a lot, and I've just been like through negative reinforcement, <laughs> like just never think to use my special anymore. It's like any time I would use it, it felt like I immediately just got killed. Is ten attack uh, splashdown or ink zuka? Ink zuka, or not ink zuka? But sorry, ink the jet, ink jet. Okay, yeah. The ink jet. Yeah, that's. Because you can't use it like uh, like an ultra mode. You have to right. use it like a weird tactical thing. I ended up, like, whenever I do use it, I end up just trying to fly over the person. Yeah. You, <laughs> you can kill them with the jet part. Yep. And it's, like, a way more reliable kill than hitting them with the gun. Considering there's only one weapon that I use with any modicum of regularity that has inkjet, I can safely say I've never killed anyone with the jets. Oh, yeah. That's the majority of my kills with the inkjet, or with the jet. Yeah, but it is not the ink. It's fun that they thought of like that creative of a use for it that allows for some cool trade-offs between you being vulnerable at close range. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. Among the, among the millions of cool decisions that I think that they made with the specials that everyone, I think ourselves included, had to sort of warm up to over time. Yeah. 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 Because everyone immediately felt that hurt of losing their I win the encounter button, of which there were many in the yeah. original Splatoon. Yeah. I remember playing the test fire and just be like, being like taken aback by like how bad I thought they were. Yep. Yeah. But like, to be fair, like, literally like any time like somebody <laughs> used like a splashdown, it felt like it was just so easy to back up. Yeah. And then just shoot them. Yeah. Yeah. They've, <laughs> and they, like things uh, like that. And those are some of the things that they've addressed in the patches. Yeah. Uh, where the specials are now like way. To, apparently, based on some. This is like really current shit that I don't necessarily want to focus on. Mm-hmm. But like evidently, they think they made the baller way too good, considering they just made everything able to shred them now. Uh, which. They just didn't take the health away that they gave it before, so I'm not. 100%, but the, the baller is now just, like, a murder machine, and, like, splashdown in the test fire, you couldn't do shit with it, mm-hmm. but in but currently you can kill somebody with it from, like, a hundred oh, yeah. feet it's, away. It is much better now. Yeah, and they're reining that back in, so, like, who knows where this game's gonna end up in, you know, a couple of months. Like, different specials are gonna feel very different, but the, the thing that they don't have in this game that I wasn't used to coming to Splatoon 2 from Splatoon 1 uh, were, like, fire and forget specials. So, I like, I don't have the Ink Strike, I don't have the Whale. Uh, the things that I have are, like, Stingray, which requires you to be very conscious about where you use that because you're incredibly vulnerable. And, uh, like, Tenna Missiles also take, like, a million years to get off, but, as you've mentioned, feels so fucking good. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it really is a testament to, I don't know, video games in general that uh, they were able to uh, take a mechanic that is, I think, pretty objectively weaker than anything you could have done in Splatoon 1 and make it feel awesome. Oh, my God. Like, the missiles, <laughs> everyone loves the missiles even though they kind of usually do nothing. They are mechanically just a way to try and force people out of, like, to force people to move. A way to get them out of cover, as we talked about yeah. before. Unless you can find a cluster of people. Right. And then they might get hit by... Yeah, they might fuck up and yeah, go like, into each other. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, just to focus on the missiles specifically for a second, they've got this, they've got so many cool, like, little counterplays to them. You have, like, so many of the specials, you have to be safe before you use them. Uh... You once you activate it, can use it like an echolocator in the short or long term, where you know where everyone's at, uh, and you have control over the number of people you catch in it. But you don't always necessarily want to catch the maximum number of people because if someone's close to you, they could reach you because it takes longer to file fire more missiles. So it even lets you have like if you launch it, didn't realize someone was sneaking up on you because it's way easier to sneak up on people in this game. You can just fire one missile at that person as like a defensive move and it takes a quarter of a second and yeah. then you're back in the game again. Like there's, there's, no, there's nothing that really happens unless you royally mess up with the missiles, which is hard to do because you can see where all the enemies are right. that will result in your death. Something cool is always going to happen from your perspective. And you do the little animation and the rumble. And yeah, everyone is missing out on some grade A pantomime going on. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like that feels good from like a, a game feel and like actual, you know, appearance, uh, aesthetic value uh, that the Ten of Missiles have. And then they've given the other specials, like with the exception of the original version of the Stingray, 
which felt bad to use and nobody used it, uh, now is even sort of like an impressive thing to behold as it like cleaves its way through an entire map. Uh, searching for one guy to maybe do a little bit of damage to. Yeah, that's one of the best, like, not numbers-based balance changes, like actual straight mechanic changes I've seen in a multiplayer game in a long time. Yep. It's crazy how they there was, like, universal agreement that this thing was bad, and the balance team addressed it immediately, specifically, and effectively in a way that everyone's kind of happy with and no one thinks is, like, broken in any way. Right. Like, they just fixed it instantly. It's so rare for that to ever happen in a game like this <laughs> when you're dealing with multiplayer shooter communities who get super invested and will argue everything to death. Mm-hmm. I guess that's part of it because this is the kind of game where there is less of a, an audience for communication. Like there's Because of how much social media gets monitored by Nintendo's official channels and how there aren't really like general Splatoon communication channels that aren't like the hardest of the hardcore. <laughs> uh, that you don't really have a lot of outlets for that, those kind of things to be openly discussed. Like, Splatoon isn't popular enough for there to be a lot of those kind of controversies that we find in lots of other multiplayer games. At the very least, not in English-speaking countries. At the very least, not in English-speaking countries. Yeah. And if it's not in the U.S., I'd, I don't know or care about it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually, that's something that's kind of important about what they did with Splatoon 2 coming from the Wii U. Because one of the... Uh, one of the things that you just know if you played a lot of the original Splatoon is that 99% of the time you're playing with a lot of people who don't have names that are legible to you. <laughs> and it's because they had worldwide matchmaking. Now, Splatoon does a super great job generally of masking lag. Like, you rarely see somebody just like blink in and out of existence in different spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's obviously still present and is far worse than in a lot of other games. Yes. But they've, I assume, to mitigate that, restricted matchmaking to regional in in the sequel. And uh, that kind of, like, I don't know. I, for one thing, it, it impresses me how popular this game is even in, like, the North American region. Because it's never been a situation where I've sat in a queue for, like, 30 minutes waiting on a game. Yeah. But also, like, the general lack of real servers <laughs> is kind of a problem. I think it's definitely a problem considering the goals that Nintendo, at least Nintendo marketing, seems like it wants to set for the game. In terms of, like, the audience that, it, that this game was presented as being for, based on the first trailer where it got revealed was a whole bunch of people walking into a boxing arena <laughs> after literally being like like in the back room with a whiteboard making and writing up strategies based on the maps. Right. Uh, and it has not really hit that audience at all uh, because of, you know, lots of extremely detailed technical things that are less about game design, which, which Nintendo knows, and more about, you know, your server tick rate and response times. And voice chat. And, oh God, yeah. and voice chat. And, <laughs> well, I mean, did you did you see Floyd Mayweather? That was a Splatoon 2 match. Oh, <laughs> they yeah. just sit down. They got they into the boxing. <laughs> they got their control. Yeah, and they played 1v1 Splatoons. <laughs> It's a really good match. If Pacquiao had to select <laughs> a Splatoon weapon set, which would he pick? Uh, you gotta go... Well, he's 
Hey, he's a... I don't know shit about boxing. <laughs> no, abandoned joke. Yeah, man, too ignorant to make the joke. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, Manny Pacquiao's a lightweight, so I'm going to guess that he would go with, like, the Octo Brush. Lots cream's lightweight to you? Locked it in. A brush it's like, larger than your body? True, but it's all about, like, fast movement. Okay. And then sneaking up behind the other boxer and... <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly you know, how boxing works. Right. <laughs> you lay down some ink, you swim underneath your opponent, and you hit them in the back of the head. Exactly. I'm stopping this so we can get back to important competitive Splatoon discussions. And I like the idea of like a boxing ring and like there's a guy, you know, they're like doing the dance, they're like going back and forth, it's left the and right. Dance, the what dance, what they call it, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's the... It's the sweet science. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, one of them just like scrunches up real real tiny and then leaps into the sky. And they're like, oh my god, what's he doing? What you didn't notice, there's a squid beacon on the other side of the room. <laughs> Lands down, bop, knocks yeah. the other dude out. I, I love boxing. <laughs> you're waiting for that punch out, Splatoon crossover. Crossover. Or, or arms. Splatoon <laughs> crossover. But anyway. We don't talk about arms here, Andy. But anyway, uh... So they fucked up a lot of quality of life things that are really important to people who want to invest their entire lives into this video game, which are not us, for reference. I want to make a big, big asterisk on here of we are not even close to that space, uh, but... It depends on how you define close to. Like, I do not have anywhere close to the, like, talent required to be considered for, like, Splatoon esports mm-hmm. as, a, as a thing, as a concept. But it's still something that I enjoy, like, following. Oh, and, sure. And, like, I, you know, the top-level meta strats. I'm trying to make a distinction between the football player and the football fan. Sure. And there's and football fans can go real goddamn deep about knowledge <laughs> of, uh, metaphorically speaking, the meta. Right, the and, meta of football. Yeah, and all of these different details about players, strategies, changes, any fact that you can learn, but not necessarily a skill that we hold. And I'm claiming we don't hold the skills and uh, don't have friends who hold the skills. Uh, not yet. Watch that. No clip. Team. <laughs> Team no clip. 2018. <laughs> <Odd>. uh, <laughs> so, even though they've failed to really capture the audience that they seem to have been aiming for, uh, like, there's just so many minor annoyances. Like, there's a lot of the same stuff that existed in the last game that everyone, at least in the U.S., complained about. Uh, in, in terms of not being able to change your select your stages that you want to play, not being able to change gear after you've entered a lobby, not being able to leave a lobby ever, not being able to coordinate what weapons are with your team, and uh, for pr- all practical purposes, you still can't actually have any sort of voice chat with your team or what they do. Uh, you can't have voice chat ever in Turf War, no matter what you do, even if you buy the crazy nonsense separate headset and use the dedicated app to use it. Right. I think it's important to note that what they're selling with that thing, and this is a very good and sly move on their part, is not voice chat because you can't because the service they provide can't be replicated at least at, at, with people at my technical faculties by Discord because you need both the audio of the game and the audio of your friends in the same thing. Right. So they sell a 
shitty proprietary thing that does only uh, that. A shitty arrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, n- none of us own this headset, correct? No. So we can't comment on actual build quality of the item. I've heard not great, also seemingly made for kids. Oh, great. Yeah. Fantastic. I, I actually, I looked into potentially getting it because I thought you needed the arrow to use voice chat, but you don't. You can just use one headphone, which is what I do anyway. So. Yeah. The weird median thing. But yeah. So for no clear reason, uh, it's you don't you can't form like consistent parties in your game. You can't like play with just a group of your friends against a group of rando people in Turf War ever. Yeah. Uh, there's limitations about the like the certain combinations of friends you can play. You can't have three <laughs> people all at the same thing all at the same time on the same team. There's limitations uh, even within that, the only way you can voice chat is to play in these like league battles or custom offline battles. And the only way you can play league battles is if you are good enough in the like competitive modes in Splatoon. So to pe- solo queue your way to B minus. Right. Yeah. So and you have to do that in each mode individually of the three modes that exist. You don't actually have to. I mean, you will have to if you just want to be B minus in all the modes. But in order to get into league, you just have to get to B minus in one mode, and it unlocks the whole thing. Okay. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, one less pebble we can remove yeah, off the scale here. B- barely better, but yeah. it is slight. It is better. <laughs> but they so they thrown up a wall not just on league battles entirely, but on essentially any coordination with your friends in a te- in this like team based competitive game, and completely written off any sort of voice chat for the vast majority of their players. Right. Uh, for not a whole lot of clear publicly known purposes, like they, if they were trying to make themselves. You know the classic Nintendo kid-friendly stereotype. Uh, they picked a weird middle ground for that, right? Where they just put up a huge barrier to entry. I, I feel like it was important for them not to get the like the reputation that other console shooters get. Extremely. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the voice chat's the most understandable thing for me because that is that is what uh, the majority of people who play the game will call out immediately as being like, oh, why don't they have voice chat? And then immediately say, oh, because I would just go on there and go like, dicks, 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 and then a 12-year-old <laughs> would cry. Right. And is, Nintendo doesn't want that to happen. The, the one thing, the biggest gripe that I have, honestly, is the fact that you can't uh, party with people. Yeah. Like, it, it... I don't, like, the explanation that I always see given is that Turf War is a no-competition, friendly, just-whatever mode. Uh, Which obviously is not true. Turf War is where the hardest competition is. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) And that they don't want you to get an unfair advantage over the other team by having friends. But uh, every game? Ever? Let's you party up with, with friends. Uh, and I don't think anyone's ever complained about balance in that situation yeah. before. At the very least, they could just have two different versions of it. One that's casual. Like like in Smash Brothers, like for glory or f- for fun. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, like they could have like a competitive version of Turf War. But they were worried about dividing up uh, you know, their community further and further into all these subdivisions, I'm sure. Since even if when they were releasing Splatoon two on the Switch after critical success and some commercial success of Splatoon one, yeah, uh, they they couldn't make the guarantee 
with this still like getting its feet new IP that it was going to have like a kind of long-term appeal and availability where every custom version of the game you wanted to play could be available. Uh, but you're right, they, they could choose between, if they, really, if they really were concerned about those like balance issues of uh, people getting stomped, as if people don't get stomped because they're mis- mismatched yeah, in Turf I say, War like, already. There's a lot of one-sided battles in Turf War already. Yeah, yeah. like we'll, we played a couple of days ago <laughs> and were repeatedly matched with people who were like clearly not playing, like not... Yeah, experienced <laughs> players of the game, mm-hmm. and just that team that contained those players would just lose every time. Right. I think a part of the reason, uh, well, asterisks as we've already discussed, it's clearly a thorn in the side of their competitive aspirations that there's this many barriers to entry to be to enter like a competitive mindset where you get a team of friends, play, practice together whenever you want, and talk to each other. Right. But. I think what came into conflict with that, the other value that they tried to uphold when they were making this game, is that both the original Splatoon and Splatoon 2 are the most like solo queue focused multiplayer game experiences I think I've ever had. Mm-hmm. This game really, really optimizes itself under the assumption that you are playing by yourself in your room in a multiplayer game <laughs> right with other people who are by themselves interacting with you from a kind of distance yeah with like visual representations of their avatars who aren't them right. and <laughs> then moving around and trying to play the game but they can't talk to you or really express themselves in any way that isn't turning from a kid into a squid really fast right or just kid jumping yeah. over and over again yeah and I mean I appreciate that about Splatoon like I'm never really been a big multiplayer like guy mm-hmm. but i play i put like hundreds of hours into splatoon you know and like i could not do that with another like online shooter you yeah. know yeah. like so I, I like the skew to like a one player focus but like there's no reason that the option to play with your friends should be that hard to access yeah like there's literally no reason for it i mean i have that i can think of that's true i i I have two big things and i I think that while i agree they they kind of they streamline it toward either one just you playing or two a full four-person squad yeah being like the two ways that they think it's cool to play this game um but i think that it really (laughs) hurts the idea of like like getting new people into the game. Oh yeah. Because I've had I know people who have purchased the game, attempted to play with me, get paired on the other team several times in a row, like aren't playing with me. Voice chat of any kind is not really useful when you're not on the same team. Uh and just kind of like give up because they're not really having that much fun playing adjacent to a person they know. It's that's an experience that Nintendo has almost never had to try and market itself on outside of like Mario Party. Like mm-hmm. Nintendo games generally are sold by word of mouth based on individual experiences that people have with them, not like I want to do this with you. <laughs> like Mario comes the closest to that in a whole lot of iterations in the way that they've done like Super Mario 3D World and all the multiplayer elements that they tied in. Yeah, with they that. drop in, drop out co-op stuff. Yeah. But that's, it's very, very far away still from, like, drop-in, drop-out, multiplayer against people. Right. Like, 
That's, that's I think they were baking on someone looking at like screenshots of Splatoon 2 and thinking like, holy shit, like there's no, I'm not going through a stupid server menu. I'm walking around in like a town. Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's a cool looking place and all the like game designy stuff that everyone sort of intuitively accepts in something like Dota and now has these like mechanical representations that makes sense in the world. You walk into a shoe store, like your brands are particularly important in the explanation for all the different abilities of the gear and they're kind of thematically tied into how the brands market themselves. You, the horde mode is a job that you go do. <laughs> like they, every, they, they still try and be really, they try and weave everything together in a way that makes you feel like it's a place Mm-hmm. And it would it would be harder and harder to do that, I think, the more that they tried to expand themselves to general multiplayer shooter values. Uh, you bring up Salmon Run there, and that's one thing that just makes it sting more for me, <laughs> is that you can play that way in Salmon Run. Like, you can just grab, like, two or three friends, mm-hmm. and then they'll just grab a random person on your team, mm-hmm. and you play that way. It's like the it system's was, already there. Yeah, it's like it's already in there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, pretty much. And like you can't, complaints. you can't just do that in turf war. Like that'd be great. It's like like you, like you were saying, like you can't just like, hey, Ch- I can't just be like, hey, Chad, you want to play Splatoon together? And we just like hop on turf war and like play, mm-hmm. have fun. It's always like, hey, do you want to uh, get on Splatoon two and and fight each other? Yeah, and hope that we're on the same team and that Moray Towers isn't in rotation (laughs) and some guy that's level four doesn't show up and like stay in the lobby for an irrationally long time despite the fact that he's yet to press the right trigger button. Right. Yeah, all of these things that just seem to happen. (laughs) Right. That's another thing that I just thought of. It's like I wish that they would just like shuffle the lobby more. Because you do end up with that scenario where it's, like, you and, like, maybe a couple other people who are any good, and then just, like, the rest is just people who suck. And because and then you not... end up, you keep ending up with those same people staying in the lobby, and it's just these one-sided battles each time. <laughs> because it's, uh, because it isn't a friend queue, it's just someone's game that you join. Right. So if one of you leaves, if you both leave the lobby, somebody has to sit a game out. Presumably, again, because they sat a game out when they joined you mm-hmm. uh, in order to get into the game again. It's it's the strangest... Like, Turf War, the most casually casual mode of Splatoon 2, is impossible to casually play with your friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That being said, the lack of communication may be not that bad of a thing, or a really bad thing, depending on how you... Uh, uh, I want to look at it because I have like 100% just rule of large numbers at this point have told like a nine year old to go fuck themselves, <laughs> but I'd said it to me and they couldn't hear it. Yeah. Uh, which is good. But if I knew they were a nine year old, I probably wouldn't have told them to go fuck themselves, which is bad. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. But just to make it clear after talking about that, I don't think like I'm still support the same thing that I believe in the Splatoon 1 cast, which is, I like that this is a multiplayer game where I can go into Turf War and no one can type or yell anything at me. That yeah. makes my experience better. My only claim is that it's inconsistent of them to try and hold that while also being the, like, hyper-competitive esports game that Nintendo wants to, wants to mm-hmm. apparently push for themselves. Like, right. they have to recognize that 
if that you need coordination in order to coordinate, you need actual words spoken from people, not like things that are on the D pad. Right. No matter how good their four different contextual actions can be. Even though it's currently still just two. Yes. <laughs> I mean, when we played Overwatch together, like we could go get on and just the three of us could talk to each other. Yep. You like, can do group chat or team chat. Yeah, like that's what this needs. It needs the option to just chat with your friends if you're playing with your friends. Right. But you would have to have an easy way to play with your friends first. Yes. <laughs> Which they have, but it would need to be turned on in, in yes. the casual, quick play. Yeah, like, we should be able to, like, get on, like, a group chat in Salmon Run or something. Yep. Yeah. You know. Well, you actually... All right, Without gonna, having to all be in the same room yeah. or use Skype or Discord or whatever. I'll... Uh, I'll We'll talk about this off cast because it's like literally unentertaining garbage. <laughs> uh, uh, but there's a thing called the online lounge that we actually could be using that would allow you to use the voice chat in game for the people that we're playing with only. Uh, so that also exists in the game, and they just mm. didn't turn it on. But by in the game, they mean in Salmon Run yeah. only. <laughs> uh, there you go. They put all the good ideas in Salmon in Run. In Salmon Run, uh, which I think. We will talk about after the break. I haven't done one of those in a while. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, on the first half, uh, we talked about the game a little bit, how we liked it, and then we bitched to no end about uh, some of the online features and kind of concluded on the discussion of a, of a subject related to Salmon Run. Mm -hmm. And Salmon Run is the coolest goddamn thing uh, in this game. Yeah. Salmon Run is the reason that this is actually a sequel to Splatoon and not like a weird kind of deceptive glorified update to Splatoon. Uh, even with Salmon Run it could still be considered like an expansion pack. <laughs> Whatever. Point being, if we didn't have it, it would be unambiguously like not deserving of being called a sequel, and it's an incredibly important, cool, in its own right, game mode that could just stand on its own with different theming. Yeah. I think Salmon Run accomplishes a couple of, of important things. Um, one thing that we neglected to talk about and likely will continue to neglect to talk about uh, for the majority of this is the single player. Uh, though the single player does a good job of teaching people movement to some extent and also y using the motion controls uh which is important and the single player is kind of like a low stakes just like this, you have a controller in your yeah, hand it's in there to teach around? you how to play the game yeah. it's like in portal like when they say you get you need to get thinking with portals yeah that's what the single player does for splatoon you need to get thinking with motion controls yeah, thinking with ink yeah oh i like that mm -hmm. That's the new tagline for Splatoon 2, thinking with ink. Thinking. Think, ooh, even better. <laughs> thinking. It's just one Getting word. Getting thinking. Yeah. Uh, but Salmon Run uh, does, works a goddamn miracle in this game, as far as I'm concerned, of forcing everyone to play every weapon all the time. <laughs> Because if you want to be good at Salmon Run, which you do, because it's one of the many treadmills this game has to keep you, like, always on the gear grind mm -hmm. of getting perfect, great, awesome gear uh, so that you can complain loudly about it when you lose anyway. <laughs> uh, 
Everyone does that, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it, like, you can't go in being like, I play the Splattershot Pro, only weapon I use, and expect to, like, just do well in Salmon Run. Like, you have to learn the other weapons in order to use them. Uh, I think that is, like, that is the strongest thing uh, that Salmon Run brings to the table, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. They got a nice sort of partial coincidence in that average team sizes in Splatoon are always four anyway. Mm-hmm. And four is, like, just a high enough number that when they're given, when they curate which weapons to include, and they're, they are curated, I assume. It can't uh, be totally random. It can't be totally random. Well, uh, it has been. The, uh, once. <laughs> also, kind of... I'll get into this in a second. Indeed. Go on. Uh, they can select combinations of weapons so that everyone will kind of have something that they can attach to. Weapons... There's never been a time I've looked at Samuel when I've been like, ugh, I hate all of those. And beca- because there's four. Because it's so hard to get a collection of four weapons that are I, that have distinct identities that don't fill the same role. Right. And you hate all of them. Yeah. Uh, there was the one I feel like would be remiss for not bringing up the one time that the Salmon Run weapon set was 52 gal, 96 gal, L3 nozzle nose, H3 nozzle nose, which I saw a lot of people complaining about because those are weapons that have v- very dedicated but not very large users. Yes. Like, people who like those weapons fucking love those weapons, but people who don't use them aren't usually huge fans. Uh, and I can see some people thinking that with those, but it was fucking balanced. Yeah. Because, like, you, it was just, you know, it had good inking plus range plus whatever. Like, all the all the, the things were taken care of. Oh, yeah. They, and that sort of weird pseudo-balance where you have someone that vaguely fills every role and they have a little bit of leeway in terms of the fun random stuff they can put in, like Clash Blaster or the Ink Brush occasionally as like a runner for eggs. Uh, you have... Say, don't talk shit on the Clash Blaster. I actually genuinely like that weapon. I know, I just think it's very unique and fulfills a different role than uh, a lot of other things. It's like similar to the Luna. But uh, they've used the weapon selections that they go through to kind of curate their own experiences every time you go through the same maps because as the weapon set differences as the weapon sets change it creates like an actual strategic difference in how you have to approach all of these levels that you're going through every salmon run for now and i imagine for a long time is going to feel unique because of the weapon sets that you have access to because you have to adapt to the tools that you have and the tools that your team as a whole has. Mm-hmm. You've all got jobs uh, in the way that a lot of other like class-based systems have jobs. And, and, and that's very different from the random groups of people that you get joined up in in Turf War and Competitive Splatoon. Right. When you all intentionally have roles, it, for, it forces more communication and more teamwork in a way that's kind of harder to build in the way that the matchmaking currently works in the rest of the game. Uh, and it's part of the reason why it just feels so unique and fun, and I can keep coming back to it. Yeah. Salmon Run did for me what, uh, like, playing, like, six-stack Q in Overwatch does for me, where I realize that the game as a whole is better if everyone, like, understands what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, which is, like, the big... That's going back to... The, the first half again, uh, 
which I don't think we need to do, uh, is my biggest issue with playing online in this game is that a lot of times people just, you know, they're doing their thing because they don't actually even know what you're going to be doing right. when they queue up. Whereas with Salmon Run, it's like, you just know generally what your weapon is good at, and it, and everyone just sort of gels like that. Yeah, and, and sometimes you can Really be, naturally, too. Like, yeah. weirdly naturally. <laughs> sometimes you're ignorant about the weapons that comes up. Sometimes you get a weird blaster variant that you've never touched before, and you figure out, as part of going through the, like, ten or games or so that you normally have to go through to get your special fancy ball uh, <laughs> at, the, at the end of the pachinko machine that you're given as your rewards for your job. Uh, sometimes you have an organic learning process where you figure out what the weapon's good at. Because the amount of the kind of enemies and the bosses that you face in Samurai are, are diverse enough that weapons are meaningfully better or worse against different challenges that you yeah, face. That happens a lot when there isn't a charger in rotation. Mm-hmm. Like, people won't immediately realize, like, which weapon's good against, uh, what are they called? The uh, steelheads? Steelheads, yeah. Or the <laughs> big jeans, I believe, <laughs> yeah. as JJ once, <laughs> once referred to them as. All right, it was a, t- it was a tense situation. <laughs> we were all together. I had seconds to react. <laughs> Uh, and big jeans was the best that I yeah. could do. That's the thing that really stands out to me is like the charger's role seems very like specifically defined. Yeah. And when you have somebody that doesn't understand that, you just are screwed. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that's I do that shit all the time when I'm on charger as well because uh, I do play chargers occasionally. But when I do, I usually play, like, the Squiffer, where I'm just basically operating at, like, a splattershot range, mm-hmm. but with a charger. Mm-hmm. And when I'm playing in Salmon Run, they hand me an E-leader, I'll be like, I'm going to go get that egg. And then I'm like, I can't do, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> I kill myself, because I'm bad. Uh, but, yeah, that's the kind of thing that you just have to, like, accept, roll with, and, like, hope that they learn. Yeah. Yep. I... I give this mode so much props for not just forcing me to use different weapons, but for forcing me in some cases to like weapons I'd never expect to ever care about. Yep. Like, I legitimate. It's so fun for me to use an elator in Salmon Run on specific modes. Obviously, weapons vary in how fun they are mode to mode, but, like, what stands out to me is the the mothership levels. Yeah. Uh, uh, using, like, an E-leader on one of those, oh, it's just like a freaking riot, because you can, like, you have to, like, watch as all of these little drop ships come off of the mothership, and you have to, like, be smart about where you're going to be in advance, and you're just, like, sniping them over and over out of the sky. Right. Time after time after time. Uh, it makes yourself feel good even when you're not good with an E-leader, as almost everyone isn't. Okay, so me as Mr. Andy Mick, ignorant to shooters. Um, <laughs> That's what I, ca- I call you every day. Do mm-hmm. other horde modes, like zombie modes or whatever, and other shooters have bosses in the way that like this game does? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gen- that, that seemed a... unique to me, but I don't know anything. So <laughs> <laughs> that was a it really is... early iteration. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, it's still like while it uses the the same trappings, I like I was we we were discussing this earlier, trying to figure out like what uh, how this stands up compared to like other horde modes in games, and I feel like honestly the thing. Uh, the movement mechanics in Splatoon are enjoyable enough that, like, in Salmon Run, 90% of you moving the control stick is you, like, 
frantically getting away from imminent death. <laughs> like, and 10% of the time is when the countdown's happening before the, the match starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, that movement is so satisfying and so, like, tense and, like, good and you can control it or you can fuck up and die. And that kind of thing is, is so good that it's far and away the most, it like, incredibly intense horde mode experience, even if it isn't the most difficult. Because I, I do find it... It's yeah. not impossible most things, of the time. Yeah, things can turn bad in just, like, an instant. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'd say, for... Like, all of us are professionals at this point. Uh, professionals? And, uh, professionals, sorry. Yeah. Uh, and we're... I would say what? Like, maybe like 65-35 to whether we win or lose a given game of Salmon Run. Is that fair? Yeah, most yeah, of the time. Yeah, when the three of us. Yeah. Uh, and I guess two things based on what you said earlier, Chad. Uh, first, I think Salmon Run has a kind of bad series of early game levels and a bad tutorial. I think it's easy to if if I think late game Salmon Run is amazing. Early game Salmon Run kind of eh because you don't have to engage with a whole lot of the mechanics to like be passable at early game Salmon Run. A lot of reviews complained that it just felt like. Like, you were, like, ignoring the movement mechanics. You just had to sit around and shoot your gun, and I can go to any game for that. But that ignores how much controlling lanes and making a balance between how many creatures you leave alive and how many and what important targets you kill, because you can't kill all of them on, on the higher difficulty modes. Yeah, it, literally impossible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I found, yeah, the tutorial just doesn't include some of, like, the bosses you see later on. Yeah. Like, grillers don't show up in the tutorials. The All the special ones, like Mothership. Yeah, yeah Mothership uh, isn't in the tutorial. The Glowflies, or whatever the, what those are called. Yeah. Usually they are called Glowflies. Oh, yeah, there you go. Nailed it. And, yeah, like, <laughs> those, are, those aren't tutorialized, so you just, like, lose... The first time you run into them. Yeah, because you don't know what yeah, you're doing. Like, and like that in part, not the losing part, obviously. I think like, yeah, losing sucks. Glowfly should have had... Losing's for losers. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't understand why they wouldn't tutorialize them all. Because they wanted them to be secrets. Because they are secrets, especially for us when we first started playing, the, right. m- immediately after launch. Because uh, And they don't exist on the lower, on the lower difficulty levels. Right. They, it, as, that's the other thing about the reason why higher level salmon runs better, is because literally new, like completely different goals and ways of playing unlock and i like specifically the mothership i like because the mothership only appears in the highest levels even though it's kind of an easy yeah that one's easier to understand right uh, that has a more intuitive mechanic set and you are you don't lose immediately for fucking up on Mm -hmm. the mothership on like the other modes right uh and and i thought that was a cool experience to like a a, like the thing appearing off of the Mm -hmm. horizon it was it was a neat evocative moment even if it wasn't like the ultra challenge that it sort of aesthetically presents itself as but i agree with you that like glow flies you just die if anyone does anything wrong ever Mm -hmm. in glow flies uh, yeah, grillers, so I think, are the hardest. They are the hardest. Yeah, yeah those are... ones just rock you if you don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. has like a how do I describe it? It's like kind of fucking strange because, like you said, if anyone does anything wrong, you lose, and it's always the most stressful situation trying to correct for something. Yeah, like it's supr- like running out of ink by surprise. You're yeah. like. Uh, I have to, like, just g- 
go somewhere and not die for a few seconds to regain it. Yeah. But if everyone knows what they're doing, it is the most boring version of Salmon Run there is. Agreed. (laughs) It exists only as kind of a difference in kind, but mechanically doesn't really have anything to add about the things that make Splatoon fun and unique. Right. Uh, It's that is the thing that I was saying earlier. Early reviewers thought all of Salmon Run is, which is you sit in one location and you shoot the things that are coming at you, and you occasionally move a little bit to the left to put your eggs away. In the case of of Glowflies, even particularly, you don't have to aim at shit. Yeah, you just fire a, in a lane. <laughs> everyone just like stands in a clump and shoots at one spot. Yeah. If you have a roller, you you're yeah, everyone mm-hmm. takes a nap and you hold the roller button and lightly move the stick forward. Yep. Like, it's the strangest like decision, I think, in the whole of uh, salmon run. It's it's really interesting and fun before the community solves the mode. Right. Before it because Especially since it wasn't tutorialized, it is it's like just a panic. A panic. Mode. It's yeah. just <laughs> madness. But it punishes you so hard for errors that, in order to, I think, promote that panicked feeling, that there's never any variety in tactics. You have no room to do anything else except the yeah. perfect thing. You and die. there's a, there's always that panic because you don't know if your teammates know what it is. Yep. At this point, we're starting to get like the game's been out long enough that it's. It's been a long time since I've had seen someone truly ignorant of a perspective. The the last thing they really teach people these days is uh, how to recognize in advance when it's going to be low tide and you have to go to the other egg basket, mm. and uh, not to randomly search for the goldies always in Goldie Hunt where you like shoot the pipes. Because if you shoot too many pipes when you're trying to pick up eggs, you'll get overwhelmed with enemies. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. happens all the time. Still, yeah. I know. Yeah. When people, when I see like a somebody die in in the gold one mode, I'm always like, we're in trouble. Yes, because yeah. <laughs> somebody has opened like fifty of these already. Yeah, it is kind of hard to intuit like that what's going on in that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's especially hard to communicate in that one because it's not a simple like over here because you're checking different things so one dude could be over on one side like just, just bomb rushing every fucking <laughs> yeah. thing as to sort of zoom out a little bit I'm assuming you guys didn't have anything else you wanted to add specifically on that topic I'm pretty sure that we yeah. all know that grillers are bad so <laughs> uh, we grillers, can move on grillers are an interesting puzzle but I think too narrow to belong on the cast unfortunately I might like write up a paper on uh, grillers yeah, here's the thing with grillers that I think we can just say and move on, Yeah, is that grillings are really hard for a lot of people, and the problem is even when you know what you're supposed to do, they still require you to have a really good shot. Yeah. And if you fuck up a little bit, which motion controls aren't super forgiving, uh, you do sort of sometimes just team wipe for seemingly no reason sometimes. Mm -hmm. If you get two of them on you as well... And you, you like, make one mistake and you're probably done. Yeah. (laughs) But... Uh, the decision, like the stealth perfect game design decision that I think they made that really makes this a Splatoon version of Horde Mode and not another iteration on Horde Mode, which is something we've had probably like half a, between like a decade and half a decade to iterate on at this point. Something like that, yeah. Uh, Definitely a decade. Is egg fetching. Egg fetching is like the stealth best mechanic of this for a ton of reasons. Uh, First, it shifts it from a defensive mode to an offensive mode. Mm -hmm. And you want, in Splatoon, things to be offensive because the mechanics are all about you doing stuff and going out. Like, in a Call of Duty, there's tons and tons of mechanical incentives to sit down and, like, try and essentially, you know, 
uh, basically tower defense. Yeah, like like mm-hmm. snipe. You, like the challenge is trying to match the reticule to the thing and hit it well, right. while like you know aiming down sights and not being able to move very much and getting in a defensible position and stuff like that. But the, you're not you're not looking for cover in Splatoon. You're right. looking to move. So having an egg out there that you have to run, get, and come back and retrieve forces you to not defense up. In fact, there is, defending anything isn't even your goal. There's nothing that you gain other than just more turf by, yeah. by holding a line. And once you get the egg, the fact that you have to retrace your own steps is what is part of the things that, even on lower difficulty modes, makes painting important. Yeah. Because now you are, it, you are forced to go through a safe route back to where you were before and... It like it gives you a time to reload in the natural sort of Splatoon cycle. Like it gives you an excuse where you're going to have you have to go back into the ink to accomplish this goal effectively. You're not going to just jog back to the starting <laughs> position, uh, which means you you naturally get ammunition back. It, it's a cool tension. I thought a great decision that they made for a mode like this. It makes everything so active. It's also a very Nintendo decision. It shifts the focus off of you killing things. It makes it more about like completing the job of fetching the eggs. Is what Salmon Run is about. That's true. I never really considered that, but like, Mister Grizz doesn't show up at the end of the match and go like, "Good work killing all those guys." <laughs> he says like, "You brought me this many eggs." Right. Yeah. Uh, and like everything in Splatoon, weirdly, there's a really dark undertone <laughs> to yeah. everything, uh, and Mister Grizz is not. An exception to that, um, but it's Mr. not Chris the focus. The weirdest thing in all. Yeah, of he's just a going. fucking bear. He's like radio. a talking bear radio. Yeah, who knows what's on the other end of that? Yeah, he's a complete mystery, like robber baron of some kind. <laughs> like he's just a weird. Like I'm gonna send you off to this other society to explicitly raid them. Why? Take their unborn children yeah. and give them to me. Although they ap- unspecified reasons. Yeah. And you can tell that the salmons are like this sort of like rushed version of a military society where like <laughs> they don't have like conventional like as you know when you optimize for military weaponry, you get generally like military weaponry. You get the things that the inklings have. Yeah, you get like ink zookas. Right. Yeah, yeah. Gun like <laughs> objects. This is a guy with uh like a cobbled together gun on the top of a stack of pots and pans. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are attacking you in large numbers with spoons. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're like the the heavies are just dudes with kitchen equipment. They didn't like like they were clearly working very fast to muster <laughs> some kind they of military defense. They are very frantic in their animations too. Oh yeah. yeah, and you know stupid and ignorant, which is but, why we uh, can their stuff. Knowing Nintendo, Mister Grizz might just be a sentient talking radio. Also, that is possible. The the best guess it, probably but, uh, a bear. Uh, probably a bear. Mister yes. Grizz is a good is a good bear name. For yes. sure. Apparently the last bear, since it's a mammal. Yeah. It's super weird, though, that he wants the eggs, because is he, like, incubating them and then hatching them into salmon that he then eats? Because <laughs> bears don't eat salmon eggs, they eat salmon. Well, maybe that's just he the could, reason that he, he's not a bear. He could be. He could not be a bear. He could be just a really rich guy who wants lots of caviar. Exactly. I think yeah. that, that fits the theming, is they want this guy... To be like a crazy rich man. Just like a super yeah. wealthy yeah. radio. He, he owner. could he could essentially just have like a salmon farm where he just raises salmon and eats them. Right. It could yeah, this could be in the post apocalyptic society, not actually a post apocalypse, 
where humans are still totally around, but Mr. Grizz is a ham radio enthusiast <laughs> who happened to get a direct line into Inkopolis. And that does open the question, though, uh, which might be explained by they're stupid, why uh, <laughs> the salmon uh, carry their eggs up with them? Because you can't go in the water. So they yeah. are bringing the eggs to you. True. And, you're, and they Maybe don't seem to be invading anything else. They're... Just all the female. Oh my salmon, god! And they're all pregnant with eggs. All of the bosses are pregnant. Is yeah. the most tragic <laughs> reading of Salmon Run that could that could ever exist. Yeah. That would explain why they have to field their strongest, large, mighty female troops too. Like they can't afford. I think not. everyone knows. That they don't have to, they could just really, like, if we're James Bonding this, where it's like, well, the villain doesn't have to explain his plan, Mm -hmm. in the same way, why didn't they just kill him when he walked in the door? Uh, They could just send infinite small fry, and nobody would make it out alive. Do they have infinite small fry? I mean, they seem to. (laughs) I mean... Basically, all salmon do in their lives is reproduce. So I this is true. Just tracks. Yeah. I just think it's it's like if they were just trying to send infinite small fry, they would know that they would never win. So I, like, it seems like a harder sell to the small fry, dumb as they are. Mm. True. Because like if you if you send them like with the morale boosting female generals, if you send them with mom, right. then of course they are willing to like ride into battle and with their stupid grins on their faces. <laughs> but if they're just like just go up there forever until they leave and die. Like, you're literally just... You're not solving the problem. You're sol- You're throwing bodies to delay the problem right. indefinitely forever. We'll need to sit down and write up, like, a battle plan for the salmon. So they can... <laughs> we can, like, figure out the optimal strategy here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, not a good life for anything that I've got going on. Yeah. Do we have anything actually important uh, to say about Salmon Run or why it's good? Uh... Oh, there is one thing. I feel like uh, this is the last like actual note that I have like dealing with Salmon Run. That is the fact that Salmon Run. I like that it has its own meta where like you sort of learn these things that are important to it. So like target prioritization plus like uh, you know map control, especially in regards to walls, mm-hmm. plus uh, you know just like. Ink management and bomb management, especially, yeah. are like a whole thing because, like, everyone at this point knows, like, hey, you can't let a fly fish live for that long or everyone will die, guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, and I think low key, a lot of people like to ignore stingers, and that's a huge mistake. Yep. They're uh, always at the edges of the map. Yeah. Uh, but, like, that kind of thing where you just sort of, like, once you get like the 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 sweet science of salmon run down, everyone just sort of knows what to do and where to go, and it's like a beautiful, well-oiled machine Agreed. until they send five of the same boss. In <laughs> I do love the the design of the specific bosses. I like that they like they have just the right amount of variability where it feels like different types of weapons are so much better at dealing with them that there needs to be just, like, one guy whose whose job is, for example, to kill, like, the genes or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah, the, the, the big genes. The big genes. Uh, Steel heads. <laughs> Steel heads. Uh, but, uh, but it's low enough that there's still, like, lots of different types of weapons can deal with different types of problems. They're right. just better or worse at a, by a pretty wild scale. It's a great, it's a great way to balance, like, differences in kind 
variability in what you have to do based on the weapons and maps and goals that you have with your teammates. I like the specific ways that you have to deal with most of the bosses. Uh, some better than others, but like it's fun to like sit up with uh, a splatter scope and like just wait for that like giant steel eel or whatever mm -hmm. to turn in just the right way to reveal its weak spot again, so you can pop it off and kill it. Right. I love having to like dodge around uh, uh, the uh, like missiles that get fired at you while you're trying to get closer and closer to the bomb guy, and I even like uh, trying to shoot the missile back at the umbrella people. Uh, in their nice little defensive huts. Like, everything that you do feels different than just shooting repeatedly at a thing right. in one way or the other. And it, I like that a lot of the bosses even have just shoot at them a lot as, like, a viable alternative strategy of shit is just too far gone. Yep. Like, Drizzlies have that. Uh, you don't necessarily have to break down the uh, scrappers. Maws can be shot to death mm -hmm. in, like, the longest fucking battle of all time. Yep. Probably the one thing that I wish would be different is that uh, about the mode as it exists now is I wish they'd replace one of the guaranteed specials of Bomb Rush with something else. I feel like Bomb Rush doesn't really have a home, even though it seems like it should or might. Right. I don't. I'm not entirely clear why. If if you guys are, but why do you think Bomb Rush the isn't good? Because enemies keep moving. Yeah. So like the bombs, it's are themselves are not that effective on like groups they're like good. if you want to use the specials to deal with the bosses of course right. yeah and like the most like if you throw a bunch of bombs around you're probably just going to kill a bunch of small fry like you're not like the bosses are just going to like move continue moving and probably not get hit by the bomb or if they do it won't be enough damage to kill them yeah because you're not good enough with bombs because most yeah people you can't aren't. yeah you can't like quite aim them quite accurately enough yeah. my my like Experience because I've actually come around on Bomb Rush. Like, I, I think that it's better than you give it credit for really? specifically. Uh, because the the temptation with Bomb Rush is to just like da -da -da -da, mash the R button and throw a million bombs. Yeah. Uh, but I think the actual use of it is particularly on things like, well, it is like, I would say three really good uses. One of which is to calmly throw two bombs. To take out a fly fish for free yeah. with no drain to your ink tank. Yeah. Uh, to kill, like, moths, because moths will vacuum up bombs if you throw them close to when they jump out. Yeah. Uh, and then clearing out really huge groups of small enemies. Yeah. Uh, that are all sort of forced in, into the same direction. Right. Which is quite it, it's a that. particularly good thing to use if the glow fly around is going badly. Right, or you could use it to res teammates. You can also use it to res, because bombs are incredible at resing teammates. Yep. Uh, those are all good uses. Obviously, it will never be as good as the best special, Stingray, <laughs> yeah. which destroys everything for free from a distance and is just cheap and great. Mm. I like the splashdown. Splashdown is the best oh shit special, for oh, sure. Mm. I love their attempts, and this is what I forgot before, uh, to try and rebalance things afterwards. There have been updates to how things mechanically interact with each other in Salmon Run, which I like. Specifically, I like that they've tried to make the flyfish vulnerable to more things as the game's gone on. Right. Because I, I do kind of agree with the room. Well, I don't think they're, like, cheap or anything. I do think they're a little bit harder to interact with than you want. Like, they're a little bit too far on one end because of how much ink you have to have saved up at a time to throw a bomb. Uh, I, I would prefer in that mode either for bombs to cost less ink or for flyfish to just have one of the 
the, buckets. Of the big old bucket and just be more of a threat than like what they are now comparatively. Yeah. I, I feel like their design with the fly fish specifically is to incur is is Teamwork. to specifically get two people to attack it. Yeah. Like they just want you to have two people there to deal with mm. them at one time. You might want to have better voice chat if you're gonna do that. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh but otherwise, I, I agree, like, some of them feel a little bit too hard to interact with, and I feel like they wanted most of them to not be able to be solo kills. Agreed. But yeah, at least a lot easily. of them are easy solo kills accidentally, just from experience, basically. It's, it's, the stinger is the reason why I don't have a problem with fly fish as a thing. <laughs> yeah. If the stinger was gone, I'd, I would. So, uh... After you play some of that samurai, yeah. you get some of those little orb, those orbies. Yeah. Uh, you unlock uh, some shit. Basically, I'm trying to get to talking about how cool the gear is in this game. Why do you think the gear is so cool in this game? Well, I think the gear is cool in both games uh, because I like the concept that they went with that uh, shockingly few other games ever go with, which is just putting actual like clothing that you could buy in a store in stores in the game and then you buy them and wear those clothes and they're just regular <laughs> ass clothes despite the fact that you're like a fantasy cephalopod creature you still just wear like a fucking snapback and <laughs> even like the cool clothes are things that I own in Splatoon by yeah. large mm-hmm. it, it's just really uh, it's just a really cool fucking thing I mean obviously the abilities are what people are mostly concerned with that's just a lie actually thinking about it for even one second most people <laughs> care way more about what their inkling looks like yep. just, mm-hmm. uh, than the abilities but yeah. i'll take the clothes that i like like a like a pool of clothes i like mm-hmm. and like try to get like one shirt one pair of shoes and like one like headwear thing good and then i'm set that's what i'm wearing for the whole game yeah yeah they've made more strides towards making uh it even you're incentivized even more to be a fashion squid than the first game because mm-hmm. abilities, as a general rule, are less good than they were in Splatoon One. They affect you a little bit less than they did before, and that amount that they affected you was already super minuscule. So what you're giving up by trying to go for fashion squidding, if you have to actually trade off anything, is very small. Yep. And in this game, as part of the many grind wheels, you have essentially now through chunks the splatnet secret shop and ordering gear from other people in your game yep and the drink tickets a way to pretty much just over the long term get any gear with any abilities you want and it just takes forever to find and do right like there's the promise that anyone could have their favorite set of abilities and clothes as a long-term goal yep i think it's a good balance between the short-term benefits of gear mix and matching which is like you force people to based on the abilities that they want to try out different styles and right. like new definitions of cool, but over the long term, <laughs> you know, you get to you get to narrow down to who you want your inkling to be. Yeah, which is really good because like, mm, uh, so one thing I do want to talk about, uh, which you can sort of determine if this is a thing that we can lead into it uh, from, but what well, they introduced so many things that were like just general quality of life improvements over Splatoon 1, uh, showing you where 
how much of your ink tank is going to be used by a sub mm-hmm. is really important. Something I like just forgot wasn't in Splatoon One. Oh no, no, it was there, but it was almost imperceptible. That's lame it, as it, hell. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't. Now it's a line. It used to be a blue arrow that was like. Maybe the size of the Inkling's thumb that's on the tank. <laughs> Keep in mind, I have uh, played Splatoon 1 for like, I don't know, 300 hours. <laughs> didn't uh, didn't even know that was there. Me yep. neither. Yeah. Almost imperceptible, I'm being literal here. Yeah, so now we have a line and shit. Uh, but I cannot believe that uh, it wasn't... It, that it, they thought it was cool to do the re-roll thing in Splatoon 1. Because the amount of... Well, for one thing, it encouraged something that I totally forgot about until we were talking about this the other day. Uh, it was that save scumming, where people would just, like, save onto an SD card and then do this, con- like, not complicated, but pretty tedious process of, like, swapping out your save data, doing the re-roll. If you don't like it, swapping it back in and doing it repeatedly over and over again until you get the shit that you like. Because this system is just, like, way better Yeah. if you actually want to wear things that are good. Yes. Particularly since, like, I don't know, useful items sometimes looked real stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Snorkel mask. Snorkel mask. Like, I'm upset that the, the bomb defense line is incline, the fucking... Uh, like climbing gear only line of clothing, which just never looks good matched with anything. Yep. Like you just have to look like you're hiking, or look like you got you like left the club to go hiking <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> it seems like one of those things in Splatoon One where they like wanted it to feel more casual. Right. So they just made it random. And they somehow didn't foresee all the tears of people who yeah, wanted they, they, they to be Yeah, they were just like, next. this won't be a big deal. Yeah. That's what it seems like to me, anyway. Yep. Yeah. And now it's a treadmill, and it's a, a fucking long treadmill, but the benefits are so minuscule between each point that I don't feel bad about not being there yet. Like, I don't feel bad that I charge my special probably literally 1% slower than if I had optimized gear. <laughs> I, gotta, I get to just not care and just be happy that my ankle looks cool. I care. And I care <laughs> immensely. <laughs> I could care less. Yeah. You could care less. Kind of goes without saying, super uh, amateur decision of them in the first game to include defense up and damage up as things. Ooh, I love them breakpoints. I love optimizing for breakpoints. That's my favorite thing to do in a video game. <laughs> but yeah, now that they've they've completely removed all of that out of the player's hands and not they didn't do the stupid half measure of the first game where like each individual up essentially didn't matter. All that mattered were the breakpoints. Exactly. So only a certain number of them you ever had to care about. And that all gets to be gone. And the weird metagame between how many defense up people wear and how many attack up people wear is also gone. Yeah. You just can balance the weapons against each other and not have to care about any of that. Yeah. It was... The the worst thing about the, the attack up, defense up fucking weird issue was the, uh, the way that it interacted with chargers... Because it was basically saying, like, you have to get this much of a charge to get a kill on somebody with zero defense up. Versus you have to get this much of a charge with this much attack up against somebody with this much defense up. Because chargers weren't really giving much up to use attack up. Yeah. Because chargers mostly rely on their main weapons a lot. Don't 
like swim around all over the place. You could get away with just running infinite fucking damage up on them and then being able to kill people with like a minimal amount of charge. Yeah. Which is why chargers were really popular, damage up clothing was fucking everywhere, and why they had to do fucking strange balance changes in the middle of, of Splatoon 1's run where like they were like, the E-Leader doesn't shoot quite as far if you have a little bit of a charge versus this much charge. And uh, everything is just so much more simple now. Yep. And it's a big, big thumbs up. Kind of minor thing. Do you guys find yourselves as, you know, essentially the close to the exact target market of Splatoon 2, <laughs> uh, caring about the additional portability the Switch provides? I use it in handheld mode a lot. Like the fact that we live together and we want if we're gonna play together we play in the living room. The fact that I don't have to bring my T V in there, I can just bring my Switch with me. Right. Is great. But like I think since it's an online game, like you're not gonna be like taking it out on the go with you because you need internet. Right. Right. So it's convenient in our specific situation. But, like, overall, like, if I was not living with someone else that had a Switch, I don't think I would use it at all. Right. Because it's not like we've come to a situation where we, like, meet up together for Splatoon, like, co-op circumstances. Like, at best, it's I come over to you to your house before or after we record a podcast, and I set up my weird little tiny right. screen, which is <laughs> clearly suboptimal, and mm-hmm. try and do the controller with it with my face all scrunched up by and next to it. But it's certainly better than the alternative. Like, I don't think it's good, but it's better. It's better than having to bring a television. Yes. Yes, it's definitely better than that. I like playing it in handheld mode. I think I'm the only one here. Yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah, I I think it controls just as well in handheld mode, personally. It, It has enough granularity in the options to make it comfortable to use in handheld mode. My problem is that I just hate the Joy-Cons. For this game, more or less specifically, because uh, I played Zelda a lot with the, with the Joy Cons, and uh, they are cool if you don't have to use their shitty R buttons. Like the shoulder buttons on the Joy Con are not particularly responsive or good, uh, and so I like using the actual controller. Uh, I have taken Splatoon on the go. In as much as I've taken it just to work. Uh, <laughs> and, like, uh, I never did anything in Splatoon other than play the single player when I was at work, which is why I have all the hero weapons now, but also is uh, now just a brick. Like, I don't, I can't play Splatoon anywhere without an internet connection yep. uh, and do anything that's actually, you know, useful. Yeah. Makes sense. I guess all that's left to clear up then uh, is which of our now uh, four-man-strong selection of waifus is the best <laughs> one. Uh, it's still Callie. Yeah, still Callie. JJ, who do you like? I th- I think I think Marie. Callie. I, you heard it here. Oh, oh, <laughs> he that likes Callie. That's definitely right. JJ's but, voice. Yep. Done. Good work. All right. Uh, thank you for listening to 50 fucking episodes of Noclip, 
It's actually been like more than that, but you know how we do. Uh, <laughs> what are we talking about next time? Next time, uh, we're strapping on our spooky pants and playing... Uh, I'm just going to do that again. Uh, next time... <laughs> 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 What's wrong with spooky pants, Chad? I don't know, but I didn't like it. I I, I felt bad after saying it. Good. Next time, we're going to be talking about Fatal Frame Maiden of Black Water, uh, which was a weird Wii U exclusive Fatal Frame game. Digital only for some reason. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's quite the anomaly mm-hmm. of uh, Wii U releases. <laughs> uh... And until that time, you can get a hold of us at NoClipPodcast.com, NoClipPodcast.net, NoClipPodcast on YouTube, also other places that are listed on those first websites that are the same website. So, we came here uh, to, to fight. Let's try again. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> we came here to fuck. <laughs>